Welcome back to Plus Her, a Stepmom's Journeys podcast. I am your host, Anne Laurie Forbes, stepmom to two amazing boys. And on this podcast, I share my personal journey as well as the journey of other stepmoms to pass on lessons learned, tips, and any advice to all my fellow stepmamas out there. With every episode and every story shared, we aim to change the evil stepmom narrative. We want to get to know her, understand her, and appreciate her. Welcome back, beautiful people, and thank you for joining us for another episode. On today's episode, we have a certified life and wellness coach and, of course, a fellow stepmom, Lisa. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so happy to share your story with our listeners. And I usually like to start with the beginning of the journey, how it all started. So tell me a little bit about the beginning of your journey. How did you become a stepmom? Okay, well, first, um, starting back in like the 80s, I'm dating myself a bit. I was married for 22 years to the husband. But then at the 22 year mark, about the 20 year mark, um, I filed for divorce. And um, that took about two hellacious years. So over those two years, during that time, I met my now husband, we met online, and um, did a lot of back and forth we were in different states and eventually we met we met in a state that was sort of in a city between our two states so it was a really nice romantic time and the minute I saw him I just went he looks better than his pictures that never (laughs) happens girl so um, we met and um, we ended up like really really like talking for the next four months I was 42 Um, He was 45. He has three children. And I didn't think anything of that at the time. He's showing me pictures and he had a little three-year-old boy and he had two two beautiful girls Mm -hmm. from two different marriages. So I I didn't think anything of it. And the girls had since um, moved out of state. Their mom got remarried, had another baby. Zero problems there. Just Mm -hmm. a real nice family. even now we've had brunch with them. We get along. It's fine. So that's good. So I've never considered myself a stepmom to the girls. They would come for two or three weeks in the summer, but not a problem at all. Right. Um, so then the little boy, he would come every other weekend. And I generally stayed away because that was my boyfriend's time to be with his son. And we both waited about a year before we told any of our children, including all of his children about us each other so i didn't even meet the little boy until about a maybe a year and maybe a little sooner with him than my kids because he was so young you know Mm -hmm. and so cute kid you know didn't think much of it whatever so now dating for a year or two swore we were never going to get remarried they were back in that little city that we met in He looked at me sitting at a bar and he said, you know, said, I've changed my mind. I want to spend the rest of my life. And I'm like, me too. And I'm like, (laughs) tears and, you know, but in reality, I still had a son who had just graduated from high school, I believe. And I had just moved into a townhouse and out of my marriage house. And it was not the time for me at all, nor did I want to move at that point. So we decided it would be some time down the road. So here's where the 
the, the sticking point is. So we're all fine. We're romanticizing everything and kind of somewhat planning. Um, by this time, of course, he's met my children. He gets a phone call from a parent-child coordinator. A woman calls and says, I have a way, I know a way that you can see your son more often. Can you meet in my office? It's urgent. Here thinking, what? Did something happen to the mother? I mean, like, what the heck is going on? So long story short, he calls me the next day and he goes, you are not going to believe what just happened. I said, what? He said, she's giving and offering full physical custody of our son. Just no questions asked. Just unsolicited, full physical custody, sign on the dotted line. The biological mother gave up her rights. Like she is giving, willingly giving full custody to your now husband. Full physical custody. So what that means, she still has 50% say in things like schools and medical and all that stuff. But as far as the day to day, she was moving. She was remarried. She had just had another baby. The oldest child was not going with them, period. Wow. Okay. And so I have to ask this because you were in your 40s at that time, recently engaged, and you've raised your own children. You said you had a son who was graduating from high school and his daughters have moved out of state. And so you're in your 40s. You have this new romance. You're done raising your children. And now you receive this news, which means you would be also helping your husband on a full-time basis with his younger son. How did you feel about, what was that transition like? Okay, well, the transition is still going on 14 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'll be honest, and I get flack from this from the other side um, Mm -hmm. all the time. You know, you knew what you were getting into. You knew he had children. You should be there. Women should support each other. I couldn't do it. You should have been happy to do it and show him love. And it's been a battle because I don't feel appreciated in the least about what I've taken up. People forget, like, I didn't have a lot of bandwidth. And I would have wished that everybody would have asked me now that we're engaged, spending the rest of our life together. I just felt like it was dropped on me. And nobody said, how do you feel about this? Do you have the bandwidth? What is this going to look like for me? Where is my place? What am I in charge of? You know, what does she want me to do and not do? How can we work together? If I was just even in a meeting, it would have changed everything. But it wasn't. I was just given papers to fax. He went um, on a business trip. And then for several years, I kept driving up to babysit the child. It was written in the papers I, to make sure I'm available for babysitting. But I felt bad because nobody asked me. And I have to say, Lisa, like, I really admire the fact that you took this on, this on in, in obviously a major part of your stepson's life, because I started my journey in my early 20s. I did not have any children before. I didn't even want to have children. And, and I've said this on the podcast before. But mm-hmm. if yep. I were in my 40s and I had already raised my children it was now time you know for me to enjoy life children are grown and they're doing their own thing I have to be honest I don't know if I would have gone back to okay now I'm going to do this motherhood thing all over again but I admire the fact that you said okay this is going to be quite a challenge but you went with it 
Well, yeah, and thankfully, I have a very understanding now husband. Um, and I remember he knew that it was hard for me. And he also, I think, was worried that I was going to bail. Really and truly, long story short, this stepmom journey was dropped on your lap. Like, here, take it. Run with it. 1,000%. How did you come to accept this new normal in the early 40s? Well, I didn't. I didn't do a very good job uh, at it. I cried a lot. I, I remember just crying every day for four months because I was torn. I went into a very deep depression. And depression, I'm a nurse by trade, so as well as a coach. And depression is when you are in a stuck spot and you can't make a decision. You know, you're paralyzed. You, you just don't know what to do. I knew I was in love with this man. I finally, here's another thing, new bride to be. I'm planning my wedding or my, the rest of my life. We were looking at houses in another state. Now we can't move. And here's the topper. The child just a couple weeks before we got this phone call was diagnosed with autism. So now I'm not just a stepmom. I'm a stepmom to a child with special needs. I'm going through a horrible divorce. I've raised three children and I'm not getting any support whatsoever from some of the other people that were involved in that transfer. He said, I wouldn't blame you for one skinny minute for walking away from this situation. I would be, honestly though, he said, I would be devastated because you are the love of my life. And I remember crying and I, I remember I didn't know what to do and I, I just, because I was so torn. I didn't want to lose him, but I was in put in such a predicament. He's an adorable little boy. Don't get me wrong. I love him to death. We're very close now. And he is almost, what is he, 16. Mm -hmm. So everything's changed. Everything's good, you know, but at this time I was scared. I didn't know if I could do it again. And I knew that his mom was moving 1200 miles away. I would have no backup. A week later, we went and picked the child up. So I remember going over there and picking him, the little boy up. And I remember, I just remember the door opening, him being put out on the front step and he was clutching some sort of a little toy. And he saw me and his face, face lit up and he came running out, Lisa, and he's banging on the door. He's got <laughs> his cute little face, you know? And so. And how old was my he at that time? Four. He was four. He, just, okay. he was four in October. Yeah. So I just remember that then my boyfriend fiance at the time said we kind of planned it out he's like okay don't let him see me put his stuff in the trunk and so I was distracting him and playing with him and like putting him in his car seat and he had no idea he was never going home I mean if he was told he wouldn't remember he was really little and he was so excited to see us he wanted to go to McDonald's he wanted to go get a car at Target and you know all those little things we did with him um, and I just remember the sickening thud of two lawn and leaf garbage bags being dropped in the back of my car. And I, I will never forget that. And, and looking up at her front door and it was just closed. I'm sure it was hard for her. I don't, you know, but I didn't expect her to come out and, you know, sob and kiss him goodbye or anything. But it was just such a disconnect for me as a mother. And so anyway, we drove home and that was it. And then that is so devastating. And it's so devastating for so many reasons. Knowing that a mother is just willingly, okay, well, I have this new man and 
I'm going to go on about my life. I can't, you know, I don't want to do this parenting thing anymore. So here, take him, you know, like basically she didn't say in those words, I'm sure, but basically Mm -hmm. that's what it comes off as. And it's just so devastating for your stepson who was four years old at the time, not understanding what is happening, thinking Mm -hmm. that he is um, seeing his dad and his dad's uh, fiance, like you guys are just going to hang out or he's going to come with you for a couple of days, not understanding that, no, you are going to be living with your father and his fiance full time now, like devastating. Mm-hmm. And I want to know once that happened and you guys took him home, mm-hmm. has there been any contact between him and his biological mother ever since? Yes. Um, so what happened is they were supposed to move. We understood within a couple of weeks but that move didn't happen for at least a year because he started all of kindergarten and went through kindergarten. And I believe she was there when he started first grade. Um, Cause there was a day where um, I remember um, she was at the school taking pictures on his first day of school. And I don't remember if that was kindergarten first or both, but either way they didn't move for a good year. So she would take him, we kind of reversed it. I think she would take him every other weekend or maybe I don't remember what it was, but she did see him. So he's with you full time. She hasn't moved away and she's still seeing him the other weekend or whatever the arrangement was at that Mm -hmm. time. Was there ever a time where you sat him down and explained to him the situation and maybe a time when he finally came to realize that he's not going back to mom's house, that he is now staying here full time? Right after this happened, my fiance, he was gone. He had to go to China, I believe, for 21 days. And I remember um, the little boy got really sick and he had the flu. He's throwing up all night. He's crying for his mom. You know, it was really, really hard. But then he kept saying, when am I going home over those two weeks? When am I going home? When am I going home? And I just say, you know, you're going to stay here now. And then that would come up a lot with him. And I'm sure, I don't remember, but I'm sure his dad explained to him and said, you know, you're going to live here now, buddy. And he knew, I mean, he knew this is home. He kept asking why, like, when am I going home? But as he got older, that's when the problem started with that. And they still persist today. Did you have Mm -hmm. any interaction with a biological mom? Did you attempt to have a relationship with her? Over the years... We would text periodically about like about her son. Um, you know, sometimes she would reach out to me and say, you know, what are you guys going to get him for Christmas? I had no problems with her mm-hmm. um, as far as that went. Although, I mean, I was not happy with her because I didn't get it. I don't understand that. Right. And I felt put upon and I was angry. And But I didn't, you know, I was polite to her, nice to her. And I remember on the first day of kindergarten, her and her husband coming over and I I wanted to walk in because I was raising him, but I thought that was her job. So I, I said, no, you go by himself. And I remember her thanking me and saying, that's really nice. And off they went. And I took a bunch of pictures for them. And I sat in the house and felt kind of like, okay, well, I guess you get to take him to school. You're his biological mom. Everything was fine. And then as it got, we got a little bit older, the, the conflicts were between her and my husband at that time every three months we kind of would joke that something would kind of come around and there would be some sparring by text and then it would settle down we use the BIF method really good with coaching it's for high conflicts or co-parenting a lot of therapists use it and him and I did also go to some counseling step family type counseling classes so to speak meetings before we got married and she said use the BIF method which we've been using B-I-F-F it's brief in your responses, be brief, be informative, be friendly, and be firm. We have done that 
and, and that usually diffuses it. So, but he just gets to the point, answers the question. And when did the breakdown happen? Like, when did it turn into this high conflict situation? So she moved back. She got divorced, comes back. And the second day I think she was back, she texted and said, can I come and get my son to take him out to eat? And we've never said no. I mean, if she wants to take him out to dinner or lunch, pick him up at school and take him to lunch. She wanted him um, every other weekend, I think she requested. And then my stepson only wanted to go one weekend a month. So they agreed on that. And that was fine. They wrote up a whole new custody and visitation agreement. That day, um, she came she came into the house and was talking to my husband about something and um we had a conflict about some things um some bills that weren't being paid and so um she texted me a little bit later and was not nice she was angry with me i think she thought i wasn't being friendly you know we hear the phrase high conflict by your mom i want you to dive into it just a little bit and tell me what it's like dealing with a high conflict bio parent and what are some of the things you've had to endure in our situation it, it escalated from there and so what happens is you know you spend a lot of time and energy trying to as my husband puts it manage the situation and he said you know there are problems to be solved and there's problems to be managed you know this one is something that you just need to manage and just keep it at bay and give in a little bit and you know we're just counting down till he's you know 18 um, when we don't have to answer and we don't have to navigate weekends and things like that. Um, so it's really hard. It's hard. It, sometimes it feels like psychological warfare. So I am mocked for loving and doing things with a child. I have tried my hardest to raise her child, love her child. I do struggle with it sometimes because anytime something's unexpected and it's hard, who doesn't struggle? Absolutely. You know, time. I don't care if someone says, oh, I've got cancer. What are you going to say? Well, you knew what you signed up for. It runs in your family. It's, it's dismissive. Took the time to bond with your stepson, to take care of him, you put your energy, your time, your affection, your love, everything. And if you're not even being appreciated for it, you're being mocked and you're being ridiculed for loving her son who she gave away. She gave him up. Divorce and now she wants to be a part of what you've created with him. Right. That's a choice that she made to give up full physical custody. And here's the thing that really gets me. I want to say, you made me the stepmom and now you hate me for it. You made me who I am today. You created the very thing you despise. Mm. Is it a projection? Is it because it's gotten very high conflict lately and we are managing it, which I can't go into right now for I told you about. But, um, you know, it's, it's ebbs and flows. And now it's to the point where my stepson's old enough where he knows. So when he goes over there and then, you know, comes back and he's upset, you know, so now it's, it's gotten to the point where we've had to sort of look at other ways to manage the problem, but we're always willing to work it out. I've offered phone calls just recently. Let's just talk this over. And it's yes, yes, yes. And then it's no, no, no. And then an onslaught of, you know, text and emails that are not pleasant um, on my husband's phone. So he gets the brunt of it. Um, thank God he always says to me, let me stand in the gap. I love you. This is just, you know, a smear campaign. It's a wedge between, trying to drive a wedge between us, a divide and conquer method. Nothing that can be done or said will ever change the united front we have, he said to me. Um, you know, I love you. We're going to get through this. 
you know, it's not that big of a deal. And we don't sit and talk about it and worry about it like you would think, you know. We actually make it a point not to. And when we go out on dates, it's an off-limits topic. When the sun's around, it's an absolutely off-limits topic. So you asked me a while ago, you know, what gets us through it? And what gets me through it is my husband's love and his support because I didn't have that in my first marriage. I have it now. And it's a trade-off for me. Raising his son for the life that him and I have made. And I know I'm right where I'm supposed, am supposed to be. And so is my stepson because he's, he's an a honor roll. He's a smart kid despite his autism. He's, he's a great kid. He's sweet. He's polite. So um, I, I know that my husband and I are going to live a long life together. We're going to retire together. But right now, our focus is his son, his house, you know, him being happy in a stable home. You know, we have a very peaceful, non-chaotic home. So it works. That's amazing. Now that your stepson's older, he knows a little bit of what is going on. So I want to ask you, how would you say having a high conflict by your mom affects the child? How has it affected your stepson? He has a lot of questions about what happened and um, he doesn't understand, you know, well, earlier he used to ask me, why did my mom move without me, but keep my brother? And I remember calling my husband at work saying, the day has come. And he's like, what? And I said, he's asking. And he's like, just defer to me. So I'm all really good about saying, you know, you need to ask your dad. Or um, I can't answer that for you. You'd have to ask her, which ended up backfiring anyway. Um, he really needs to defer to his dad. My husband is, he is to the point. He does not mince words. He's very careful. He never slams people. So I knew he would be better because I'm more emotional about it being a mom. I don't understand. But um, either does he. But I remember him saying, you know, um, I'll take him for a walk with the dog and I'll talk to him because there was a particular week where he was just really crying and upset. And it's right after we moved here. So he was probably around 13, 12, 12 or 13. And so anyways, he went for a walk with him and he came home and said that he just explained to him, you know, you're with us now. We're glad you're here. This is right where you're supposed to be. I can't answer for your mom. You're going to have to ask her. But there's divided loyalties. So he's not going to go to his mom and go, hey, what's the deal? Right. So it took him years. And now it kind of came back again with this you know, whatever is going on, because I know when he's over there that some things are said because he comes home upset. And I'm like, just talk to your dad, just talk to your dad. So he knows there's a shift in the air with all of this conflicted, I think, since she's been back. And if I may just be ever so kind to her and looking at it from her perspective, if I had to guess what's going on there, when she came back, Um, she probably didn't know where she stood. And I think it would have been best if we all sat down and said, now that you're back, what does this look like? So we repeated the same mistake we made when she left. I see what you're saying. Yes. Women, I'm telling you what, in business, when two people are doing the same thing, one of you is not needed. That is a absolute in every business. I've run businesses, I've run restaurants, I had a store. If you can't have two managers that are doing the same thing, one's a sales manager, one's a store manager, one is a financial manager, one, you don't have two people doing the same thing at the same time. You can have a morning shift manager and an evening shift manager. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when you have two people doing the same thing at the same time, there is going to be a problem. It's because someone feels pushed out 
and women are naturally competitive. And quite frankly, I've been raising him for 11 years. I think sitting down, talking about this, saying, okay, how does this look? Do you want to go to conferences? Do you want me to go to conferences? Should we both go? Do you want me to call in? Do you want me to step out? So that has been a battle. She doesn't want me there. She's angry. She's going to the school. Don't let her in. I've been removed from lists. And I'm like, just call me. In your opinion, do you think that they become high conflict because they are threatened by the stepmom's position or they feel intimidated? Well, I think from what I can see from the coaching I've done with other that have women that have gone through this and from our situation, it directly correlates to what's going on in their life. So if somebody loses a job, we always brace in and go, oh, and don't get me wrong. I had a high conflict ex too that he had to deal with for two years. And, you know, we've seen the same patterns with his. When they're already ginned up because something is not going well, everything is amplified. And that is very normal. But when you have, when you're dealing with someone who might be impulsive anyway, I think part of it's personality. I think some of it's regrets. I know my ex-husband, you know, regretted the way he behaved during our divorce and has told my children that in not so many words. And, you know, you're, when we're going through a divorce or we're going through abuse or we're going through any of that, we are supposed to make the biggest decisions of our life at the worst point of our life. And, you know, I think that to answer your question, I think it sort of depends. I don't know. I can't speak for her because I'm not quite sure. Um, but it seems when there's a change or there's some turmoil or something is going on. But then on the same hand, we find that if things are going well or there's a new job or a new boyfriend or a new relationship or someone's, you know, that shiny thing makes it go away for a while. And mm-hmm. we're always like, Phew, you know, but then when something triggers again, it's boom, and it all comes pouring back and we're like, oh, you know, so I, for us, I think it's part like nature and nurture. I think it's part environment and personality. Well, there's motivations too. I think with us, again, I'm, I don't know a fact, but when we have full physical custody, we're not paying her child support anymore. She's paying us. They can make trouble or try to get the child back or, you know, we've had those little notes here and there and, you know, he's been asked, where do you want to live? Come on back, this and that. Well, then all of a sudden, those tables change. So there's financial things. Um, there is, I think sometimes some, some parents just feel guilty for giving over full physical custody. And then for whatever reason that they did it, those reasons fell apart. And now they want to try to fix everything and be a family again. There's many different reasons why it could be. There's many different reasons. I am aware of a situation where as soon as somebody got engaged, the ex-wife wrote the ex-husband and said, okay, I miss you sometimes. What? You know, so (laughs) trying to get back, um, there's those things. And I mean, I can't imagine not having my child with me all the time. And I'm certain that there is some feelings of displacement there. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be high conflict because this is the thing is, I would welcome the break of, hey, I'll take him more often. Or, hey, let me just get him on Sunday so you guys can go to brunch. Right. You know, but I'm accused of you're keeping him from me. You don't. So how do you make sure that those negative feelings and the actions that are done towards you does not affect your growing relationship with your stepson? 
Well, that's funny you say that because um, not only is it from always that person, but there's family members that I get messages from. There's things on Facebook that are hurtful. There is, you know, things that are, I just got a two-page email from somebody the other day claiming to be her friend that was extremely disturbing. And so what you do is, I had to let go of the outcome of things. So I had put something up on Instagram, maybe in October, I lied, it was October, and I was given a lot of grief for it. And it was something I saw on one of the other stepmom things that I follow. And it said something about, you know, don't connect any of your anger with the bio mom situation or her with the child. You, you, you can't do that. You can't put it on the child. You have to disengage that thing. That's not the same thing. Because otherwise, you're putting the child in the direct line of fire. Bio moms and stepmoms are not meant to get along because they're doing this, trying to do the same thing. It's, it's. I think everyone who gets divorced should go through um, co-parenting classes and the new partner and the new wife. The repartnering is a huge thing. I mean, you know, the relationship is hard when there's there's kids in that. Do I try not to put those together? And I don't. And I think because my stepson's been with me since he's been four, he feels like my own, you know, and I, I don't take it out on him. And as far as me and hearing all these things, I just don't let it get to me. I go to the gym. I do yoga. I've got friends. I have a wine group I do. I work time outside of the house. I also have my coaching business. And I'm just, I don't, at this point, I'm pretty numb to it. But I think it's also important to have friends who are stepmoms as well, a place where you could vent about certain things that you can't, you know, your husband won't really mm -hmm. understand because he's not in your shoes. Right. That's another good point. That's um, why I started my blog several years ago. Um, when you, when you tell your story on a stepmom blog that is read by, you know, I think I got 4,000 hits on my one article um, that was really popular last year. And, you know, you're helping people, you're getting emails, you're always going to get pushback for that. But that has helped me greatly is putting my articles up and then they've been published places. I just don't put it up there where they've been published because I don't want any more pushback. And then joining the groups, that's how I found you um, too, you know, just in these this podcasts and things like that does help. Nobody understands unless they're in it. And I know we all get pushback from some people because we're sort of, the connotation is we're evil, we're evil, we're a step down, we're, you know, and I would love to break that um, horrible image, but. Absolutely. I'm on a mission to do that with the podcast. The whole mission is sharing the stories of everyday stepmoms and changing that evil stepmom narrative. So as a life and a wellness coach, I know that you only help women improve their health, but also their mindset. I'm curious to know, what would you say to another stepmom who is feeling overwhelmed by the conflict? Like, how can one have some type of peace while they're dealing with a high conflict bio mom? Um, my answer to that, and we've all kind of heard about the stepmom step back. And what I did is, is, again, when I let go of the outcome of things, and I don't care what happens to the outcome of things, it was releasing to me. And I remember saying to my husband, um, you know, I don't want to see the ex-wife's texts, emails, don't copy me on anything anymore. Do not even tell me that you are having a conversation unless it has to do with me personally, where you think that a decision needs to be made, or if it's something that has to do with like dates, I just don't care. I, you know, I know so many stepmoms that grab their husband's phone and they're reading everything and they're going through all their email. I don't 
care. Her opinion of me matters not. It's, it's to be expected, right? So when I just stopped caring about the outcome of things, you know, there's certain things, if, if things are being put up about me online, I don't care about that outcome because those people don't know me and I will never meet them. Mm-hmm. Those are her people. And I get that she has her tribe. I have my stepmom tribe. Sometimes I just want to be able to put up what I want to put up about having a frustrating day or somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I do tell my stepmom story on my blog. And that has been, there's been quite a bit of pushback on that. I just tell it like I just told it to you. That's what happened. That's my reality. If she sees it a different way or has another story to tell, tell it. My reality is one thing and her reality is, well, that's not how that happened. She has a platform to tell her story and I've got a platform and every right to responsibly tell it how it happened to me. And that is my outlet. You have every right to share your story, how you see it, how you experienced it. You have that right. Well, you have quite the story, Lisa. You have quite the story. I've learned so much (laughs) from our conversation. And I want to know, like, what has being a stepmom taught you about yourself? Oh, well, it teaches me I can do hard things. We all see that mug. Girl, you can do hard things. And it's so (laughs) cliche. This was a hard thing. I shed tears. I had laughter. It's been good. It's been bad. And it's not been always bad. You know, that's another thing that stepmoms are always being accused of. Oh, my God, woe is me. Oh, I'm so sick of hearing your story about how you gave up. You're such a martyr. I hear that all the time. But if I can put up something that, A, tells my story of how I became a stepmom in midlife, okay, and B, if I can help somebody else, that's my story. That's my reality. It's not going to change. So I know I can do hard things. I've gotten through this. He's, you know, 16 and a half, almost. He's a great kid. We've raised a great kid together. Our marriage is super strong. We laugh. We have a great time. You just have to wait for it. And I have a hashtag on a lot of my Instagram things that say, wait for it. You know, this, nothing's forever. Nothing is forever, right? In the end, you understand it's worth it. But it took about seven years to just really start balancing out where, you know, you just know this is a new family that you're building from someone else's damage, somebody else's broken marriage. I'm supposed to come in, put it back together, make a family, make the pot roast and the fancy cookies and make everyone feel good while I'm being poked by a stick down my spine the whole time I'm baking. So, you know, we just keep doing it. We keep doing it. We protect the kids. Now I've gone through it. It's okay. You know, it's, it's, I know I can do hard things because I'm not a victim. A victim is weak. And, you know, when you are a warrior, you just, you just go through it and you just take the good with the bad. And in the end, you win. Absolutely. I agree with that. I want you to share with us what was one of the best memories with him? I mean, I know we touched on the hard times, but like you said, there's been some good times. And I think it's important to share the good times as well. Well, there's a lot of them, but one that I remember that is the cutest thing in the world that my husband will roll his eyes at. I had come up and and babysat for, for his son for that long two weeks. It was earlier on in our relationship. And I remember had not told me that he loved me yet. It was like within the first year, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the car, and I think this is before the whole custody switch off, they were driving me to the train station to go home. And it was early morning, it was freezing cold out. And so my 
husband is our boyfriend at the time is getting all my bags out of the back and we're in this kind of traffic circle kind of hurrying up to get me you know away from the cars and I leaned in and I I kissed his son and I said you know see you later he kissed me and he kept giggling and one more one more and I give him a kiss so I shut the door and I went to kiss my boyfriend and we didn't want to do that in front of him yet so we hadn't been doing the PDA or anything and the little door the back door of the car my boyfriend's car clicked open and this giant boot fell off his foot <laughs> and he leaned forward in his car seat and he said oh and one more thing I love you oh so, and I took the boot screwed it back on his little foot she said I love you too baby and I shut the door and I walked back to the trunk and I looked at my boyfriend at the time and I said he beat you to it <laughs> And he looked at me and he crossed his arms in his leather jacket. And he looked at me and goes, well, I love you too, but I think you already know that. Oh yep. my gosh, that is such it a was, story. It was the cutest thing. And then another thing that we um, do is every single day when I drop him off at school, every single day we'd be in the carpool line. I don't want to leave. I want to go to the library with you. I want to stay home. I'm sick. I'm like, no, no, you're not. And then I said, okay. I said, so you go to school and remember, I said, don't kiss any girls. And he goes, oh. And so we did that. And even now when he goes to school, I go, don't kiss any girls. And then we changed it when he was older. I'd say, so if you kiss any girls, who are you going to tell first, me or your dad? He goes, oh, definitely you. <laughs> so that's what we do now. And my husband just goes, oh, yeah, no, you tell me first. And he's like, no, I wouldn't. I've made this promise for years. He goes, I'd have to tell her first. Wow. So we have that ongoing game. So now he comes to me with all his girl things, shows me pictures on his text. And does this mean she likes me? How do I know if she's flirting? And, you know, it's the cutest thing. So. Oh, my gosh. That warms my heart to see yep. the relationship that you have built with your stepson. He seems to just love you and trust you and just run to you and tell, tell you what's going on in his day. That just absolutely warms my heart. Thank you for sharing those moments yeah. with us. That's so, the thing. And they can love both parents. Putting them in a loyalty bind is the most abusive thing you can do, right? It's so awful. My stepson said something. Well, I said something bad about you to my mom the other day. And he was crying and crying. And I said, well, why? Do you, why did you say that, honey? And he said, because I want her to love me more. Wow. And I hugged him and I said, you know what? She already loves you. She loved you the minute you were born. There is so much love for you. I said, and I love you and your dad loves you. You can have more than two mother figures in your life. You've got a stepmom, you've got a mom, mom. And he was hugging me and sobbing. He told my husband and my husband was just like moved. And I'm like, you know, we have to let these kids know that it's okay. There's more than one piece. The more people that love you, I mean, how lucky is that, right? So it's, it's been a good experience in the end, it, you know, so you just didn't, I just didn't know what I was signing up for because you never know there's going to be high conflict or pushback. I knew he had a kid. Yes. But you never know what's coming. No one does. I really enjoyed listening to your story and just learning more about you, stepmom journey. You already know that my whole mission is to change the evil stepmom narrative. So I want to ask you, in your opinion, what do you think we can do to change that evil stepmom narrative? I think that, you know, they always talk about co-parenting, co-parenting, there's co-parenting apps, so no one's nasty. There's, you know, classes, I suppose you can take through the courts when they're ordered, but they're already so volatile. 
when you've got partners or exes that have repartnered and gotten married, everyone needs to sit down and, and decide what that looks like. Because, you know, and that's the thing is that the stepmoms, I guess sometimes stepdads too, although probably more rare of a situation, are always seemingly looked at as competition. They're evil. They're mean. They're nasty. What does she do now? Oh, my God. You know, make a list, blah, blah, blah. And that is so unnecessary because we're just sitting here doing what we do, and I'm not thinking about her, right? right? So I think these things in our mind about what each other's doing and who each other is and this competition that might or might not be in one or the other's mind is so stupid because it's never what you think. I think that when a partner... When an ex gets repartnered, like my ex-husband is now remarried, our kids are grown. She's a wonderful lady. I've talked to her a couple times at our kids' weddings, and I would have no problem sitting there having a glass of wine with her going, okay, so do you want to do conferences? Do you want me just to send you stuff? I think everyone needs to work together when there's a repartnership. Now, I think if that meeting, it's all about communication, and I think if the meeting way back when the handoff happened with my stepson happened... Everyone just wants to be made to think they're part of it. You know, when kids are little and you say in the restaurant, you've got two choices, milk or apple juice. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you're not telling them about the, the Coke and the orange juice and the milkshake and the, because you don't want them to have it. So you're, you're making them think, you're empowering them to make a decision. You know, it's the same thing. Even though it wasn't my first choice to raise another woman's child, because let's be honest, is that anyone's first choice? We can make it as a little girl when said, what do you want to be when you grow up? You do not say, I want to be a stepmom way. So I just think that everyone talking and what does this look like would be something that should be either court ordered or when people read you the custody and visitation, like when this bio mom came home, why are we not all in one room deciding what that looks like? Because I'm the one that spends more time with him than either of them combined. So I think, though, by just being inclusive, just like anything else, whether you're at a company or you're having a family meeting or, or whatever, everyone feels that they have a say. And that is not happening. So we are evil because we're on the outside and we are somehow seen as, as the enemy. And we're not. We're just sitting here trying to figure out where the heck we should be and what should we be doing. My answer is just to communicate. And everyone needs to be included. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation, Lisa. I want to thank you again for sharing your story with us. I think by sharing your journey, we are just one step closer to changing that evil stepmom narrative. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. If you're enjoying this podcast and have not already done so, please be sure to rate it and subscribe for more. And if you enjoyed today's episode, why not leave a review? Listen, I would love to continue this conversation with you. So connect with us at plus her on Instagram and Twitter. Upload a picture of this episode and tag us hashtag plus her podcast. And for those of you who are shy, shoot me an email. Hello at plus Tell me what resonated with you the most from today's episode. What struck a chord? Last but not least, I want you to remember to share this episode with a stepmama who needs it. Share it with a friend. Remember, sharing is caring. Until next time, hugs and kisses.